Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today on the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast, I speak with CP Ganani. CP is the CEO of Tech Mahindra. This is a company with over 100,000 employees that provides IT services around the world. And I've really enjoyed speaking with CP. I know he's been um, a listener of the podcast for quite a while. And he's also a subscriber to my uh, email newsletter, The X Quadrant Insider. So I know he's been kind of in the loop a little bit, but it was a, it was a pleasure and a privilege to speak to him today and uh, jump into how did he do it? How did he rise up from, as he describes, a small town in India to running a global a huge organization. What was his mindset? What were the challenges he overcame? Uh, how did he deal with some big disruptions uh, on the, along the journey, making thousands of people redundant uh, when he took over a failing company, uh, for example? And what's the quality of his thinking that's defined the way he operates? So we get into a number of really interesting areas. I think it's just fascinating to listen to somebody who's humble, uh, and yet incredibly successful. So enjoy this conversation with CP Gurnani of Tech Mahindra. Hello, CP. Hey, Richard. Hi, how are you this morning? I'm, uh, I'm really well, thank you. Uh, and it's, it's great to have you here. I know that you are running a huge, um, a huge business. So it's, uh, it's really exciting to jump, jump in and find out what it's like to be CEO of uh, Tech Mahindra. Just remind me, how many people are are in the business right now? So Tech Mahindra is one of the largest IT companies in the world. Mm. Uh, we are in 90 countries, 125,000 people. There we go. And what we do for a living is digital transformation of corporations across the world. Perfect. Yeah, so that's... A lot of people uh, in a lot of countries, 90 countries. And so what we want to do is to dive into uh, how have you, you know, how did you get there, right? And, and what's your success formula uh, to be in a position where you have this amount of reach and impact and are managing this size and complexity of organization. But perhaps before we, we jump into that, do you want to Tell us a little bit about, you know, just a minute or so, you know, who you are and what's your journey? What was the journey um, along the way that brought you into this CEO role? So, you know, call me CP. I'm a small town boy, grew up in a very, very small town in Rajasthan, India. And... uh, you know, my education took me to a steel city called Raurkela, 
which is again a steel township built with a German collaboration in India. And I ended up becoming a chemical engineer. Uh, now as a chemical engineer, uh, in the first few years, I did variety of roles, mm -hmm. uh, process engineer, design engineer, project engineer. And I realized my calling is in product management and sales. So I ended up picking up a career in IT and uh, I guess I had to retrain myself at every stage, but the advantage was that I joined IT at the right time in 1986. Mm. Uh, you know, the time when the IBM PCs had become a reality mm. and since then, the technology industry hasn't had a looking back and uh, I can only say is that I was fortunate, my timing was right and uh, God has been great that I, you know, was at the right industry at the right time. Mm. So I ended up using some of the learnings from my parents and various uh, people that I've looked up to and continued to further the company that I had worked with, continued to be a, I call myself as a entrepreneur. Hmm. And I continued to build institutions uh, during my career. And when I look back, I think there are only two things that have driven me. One is creating an impact. And number two is have I built something that will last beyond me? Mm. So impact and legacy. Um, I love that. That perhaps explains why I know you've been following my, you know, my blog and my newsletter, right? The Squadron Insider for a while. And I, I guess we have a similar view there, right? I mean, the big word for me is impact. It's the name of this podcast. Um, it's what really drives me. Um, and, and legacy, which is, I think, what you've been talking about there, Um one of my major shifts in my own career was when I said, like, what do I want to tell my grandchildren mm -hmm. in the future, or my great-grandchildren, you know, if they're on my knee when I'm 90 years old or whatever, what is it I'm going to say? And so I think that idea of legacy and impact. Um, no, I, so. I follow your podcasts and I can say that to me, the key buzzwords that I picked up from you was personal strategy for creating impact. Mm. So thank you, Richard, for, you know, this is the first time I'm meeting you in on a yes. video, but uh, uh, you obviously have created impact. And in turn, I will create an impact into many lives that I will touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So if you could identify... So actually, just to wind back a second, I love that point you made about jumping on a trend, right? It's like riding the wave. For you, it was IT. Uh, for me, when I entered my own career after university, it was the telecoms explosion uh, and the deregulation, liberalization of, of telecoms ar around Europe. Um, so that's obviously a great strategy already, right? Find a trend <laughs> and, and ride the wave, right? Uh, but if you look to like you in terms of your personal leadership or your personal strategies for success, you know, what would be those one or, th you know, one, two or three key factors that have helped you create the impact that you have had? 
So Richard, uh, when I look back 40 years of my career, I would like to say that there was one thing that I practiced, which you find a lot in the people who are building businesses. You may call them startups, you may call them medium scale enterprises, but they have one thing in common mm-hmm. that there is a level of extreme ownership. Uh, and number two is they're called entrepreneurs. I did not know these words when I was practicing. Uh, but if I were to today, you know, share the reason that I'm successful, I would consider extreme ownership and the passion that I brought, the purpose that I brought, and the perseverance that I practiced uh, as an entrepreneur manager. Mm. So, and these are, you know, sometimes difficult to understand because by definition, when you're a manager, you're just a manager. And when you start using the words entrepreneur manager, you're essentially saying, I own this business. Mm. I own this process. I own this Absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, it's identity, isn't it? It's an identity that you say, I'm going above and beyond my job description, right? And I'm, I want to make this happen. It's an identity, I think. So same, same words, uh, Richard. As an entre- entrepreneur, I want to know what the outcome is, what the impact is, mm. and am I doing better than others? Mm. Uh, so I think as an entrepreneur manager, I'm very happy that uh, the organization or the projects that I was associated with have always been able to scale up. Mm. Yeah, great. So I'm thinking by this idea of extreme ownership, uh, this passion, purpose, perseverance, uh, uh, seeing yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, I love this point about, A, looking at what's the impact I am making, and also there's that competitive streak, right? am I doing better than others, which, mm-hmm. which does push us forward, right? I think um, I'm not a believer in kind of cutthroat, um, you know, competition and, and, you know, being the shark in the sea, but, but I think actually it does propel us forward when there's a little bit of, uh, you know, competition, right? Um, when I was in consulting, yeah, I looked at, you know, my rank, you know, how am I, you know, am I number one in the sales target? Am I number one on delivery, right? And if I'm not, well, you know, why aren't I? <laughs> so it does, it doesn't work for all of us, but for some of us, I think that's a real um, a driver, right? And, and um, keeps us in the game, makes it fun. Mm-hmm. What, what else? Is there, is there something else that you would say you would point to as something which have always helped you create impact? You know, again, uh, in a lot of times, uh, that oh, everything is different words. The different words are, uh, you know, in Mahendra group, we have what we call as a rice philosophy, uh-huh. which, you know, what differentiates us, we have put it into a, you know, three sentences. Mm. One is rise to make a positive impact. Number two, we say we rise 
with alternate thinking. Number third we say is we rise with stretch goals. Hmm. Now, why have I put this up is that the world will always have some reason why we should not be doing A or a B or a C. But if you have the conviction, A, you will not get influenced by negativity. And number two, you will continue to make a positive impact. Hmm. Number two, you know, the whole world disruption came in because there is somebody who's looking at a better method. Yes. Somebody is looking at how do I change the behavior, whether it was a Steve Jobs with Apple or whether it is Elon Musk with a Tesla. Yeah. They always thought of an alternate method. Got it. And number third is stretch goals because if you are dreaming big with your eyes open, you're possibly going to execute better also. And if you dream big and you're willing to work towards it, you will make that, you know, goal come to a reality. So I know these are all different words, but they all boil down to the same thing. I, as an owner, can make a good impact. I can, in the same time, I can dream big and try and make it bigger. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's all about our thinking at the end of the day. It's... We need to, if we think big, we can have a big impact, right? It's hard, it's hard to make a bigger impact than our own level of thinking. Mm-hmm. So what about the dark side of all this, uh, CP? You know, we all, you know, we all have strengths and those strengths can sometimes come back to cause us to stumble. Um, you know, what have been the areas where you've had to kind of always pay attention, right? What have been the areas you've had to watch out for in, in terms of your own, you know, yeah, the dark side, those potential weaknesses, right? The, the flip side of our strengths. I'll never call it a dark side. I don't... <laughs> I'm not, uh, not convinced that I have a dark side. Uh, but Richard, uh, as an entrepreneur manager, yes, I find some difficult... Some decisions very difficult to take. Mm. Uh, people have... My associates who have worked with me call me a coconut. That means hard from outside, soft from inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many of us, we have to take some decisions which are called tough love. Yeah. Uh, I find those decisions very difficult. Uh, so I'll give you an example. As Tech Mahindra, we acquired a company called Satyam, which was twice the size of Tech Mahindra but it also had 10,000 extra number of people. Right. Now, you know, my balance sheet can't afford 10,000 extra number of people. Mm. And that is why that company had collapsed and we had bought over that company. I agonized and agonized over how to take that decision of letting 10,000 people go. And particularly, it was 2009 when the Lehman Brothers crisis happened. It was a difficult decision and ultimately found a compromise. I kept those people on six months on my payroll. I gave them reduced salary. I gave them an outdoor uh, clinic where they could prepare themselves for the next job. Mm. Uh, But the point here was that even if it was a tough decision, I made it easy 
for those 10,000 employees and uh, created an environment where they did not have to say that they don't have a job. So six yeah. months, reduced salary, but, uh, you know, what we call as virtual pay. Uh, we did that. Mm. And I feel when I look back, I think it was, you know, a tougher decision for me. Yeah. But I made it a little easier on my conscience. Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's checklist for challenging times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, because you, yeah, you did right with them. And, and I think that is, that's a key moment, right? When you have to let go of people, you need to decide who do I want to be as a leader? You know, like... Um, we all have multiple stakeholders and and we have to decide how we balance these different requirements and pressures coming in. We've got shareholders, we've got investors, we've got employees, we've got customers, um, you know, we've got the environment. I mean, we, you know, we might have all these other factors playing in, but I think we do have that fundamental decision. Who do I want to be, right? Do I want to be the hardball number cruncher in this situation do i want to be the compassionate people leader in this situation um you know do i want to um you know how do i want to create this legacy in this difficult choice it's often when the when it's a tough moment mm-hmm. that we reveal our character so i yeah i love that story let's um let's keep going on these stories i think they're fascinating i'm sure you've had a number of bumps in the road what's What's perhaps one of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome in, you know, in your career? Was there a big, you know, challenging business situation that was a real, where you learned a lot as a leader? I think uh, I'm still a learner, Richard. And the reason I say Richard, I'm a learner is because uh, it's a, we're dealing with a set of people who have different aspiration levels. And the reality is people by definition, the way they grew up, it is my mother, my family, my home, my city, Uh you know, my tribe. Now, if you ever want a business to succeed, particularly a large business like mine, uh, you tend to work very hard to get the alignment, collaboration, and cooperation going. Yes. Uh, I can only repeat what I said. People is my strength. People is the strategy. People is what uh, keeps me going. But at the same time, people are the ones uh, where... I find the biggest challenges. Yes. And it's all about, you know, more about how to get the best fit, how to 
marry the dreams of individuals into mm. company goals how do you empower and recognize the talent so people 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 mm. i think that's what has made us successful and that is what is where we need to work harder to get the best out of individuals dreams woven into company dreams yeah so do you have a story about that is it's an example of somebody perhaps where you had to really work hard to kind of get them into the company or to align them or to get the best out of them or you know somebody where that didn't work out i'm just wondering if you've got a story around around people right and how you manage people just to give us a sense so i will i can only share again the tough love moment hmm. i had one of my employees who were probably the uh, the best uh, in his individual uh, competency and capability but his teamwork was not so great hmm. uh, this person individually if he ever went in front of a uh, group of people group of investors i mean they always said this is the best guy this was mm. in cyber security i had one of my managers who was and cyber security was a very fast growing so if yeah. you look at the data the business had grown if you looked at the data of customers you know they liked him mm-hmm. but when you looked at the data under the hood my attrition was the highest out there right because the individual is just not a team team leader mm. now i tried coaching i tried counseling i even got external help uh, but i did realize is that the the individual is too much of egoistic i i kind of a person mm. and while he was successful in business uh, he was very very unsuccessful in what i would call the values or the ethos mm. of the company that we were building yeah it's interesting obviously i deal with some of these situations in my own you know uh, coaching um and you're right sometimes people don't want to change right and you can't make people change what i found is an interesting way of exploring that with people is to really dive in to what do they really want right and um it takes a while sometimes but at some point you can sometimes get to this point where people go actually like um i don't necessarily want to be a jerk right <laughs> i don't you know the, the level 1 is what i need to get to be successful and so forth um but often the thinking is around like i need to drive my team in this particular way to get the results that i need to get but it's not often true right as you said like you can still have an incredibly thriving business without driving your people into the ground but um but i i guess you're right there there is a moment though if people don't get it then that tough love <laughs> comes in right yeah um and i guess i kind of reconcile that by saying if somebody really is not a fit for the organization in the values then actually the loving thing to do is to say you know you need to find a home which is more suited to who you want to be mm-hmm. yeah fascinating well let's talk about the future a little bit uh, cp um one of my principles 
you know, as you know, is we have a success formula and we can upgrade that success formula to find a new level. No matter how far we've come, there's always a next level. Uh, and for people like you, who's always driven by impact and legacy, I'm sure that's a question that is, you know, in your mind from time to time, you know, what's my next level? So I guess my question for you would be, you know, how would you love to multiply your own impact in the next few months or next few years? What would be different for you? So, you know, good, good that you asked me this question because it forces me to think but there are really two parts to this answer. One is I would like to multiply the impact that we are creating by empowering and engaging more. Uh, that means empowering the young leadership of the company, mm -hmm. engaging more because I think ultimately as a leader, my role is that of a coach. If I engage with them, then I can help them you know, deliver more. And that, mm. that sigma effect of more young leaders empowered will help the organization. Yeah. The second part of this is the same part, but I would also like to spend a lot more time on unleashing the potential of these young leaders uh, for want of better words, I use the word create and collaborate. That means if I can identify or my organization as a method where people don't hide behind the statistics and I am able to unleash more leadership opportunities for my people, that means I'm creating more leaders. Mm. If I'm creating more leaders, as I said, the biggest worry is people and particularly during these COVID times when people are working from home or, you know, working in silos, how do I make them collaborate more? Mm. So empower and engage, create and collaborate more. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. I think um, the, that idea of multiplying impacts by multiplying leaders right, is a key one, because until we multiply leaders, we're only kind of adding impact. It's when we multiply our own secret source a little bit into other people and help them get the mindset that they need to succeed, mm -hmm. um, then, we, then we create uh, a real impact. And I suppose what comes to mind for me is, you, you said, how do I help people collaborate more? Um, and for me, what I found in my own work is that establishing common language around key uh, leadership concepts and ideas or around key, um, key business ideas is really important. So in other words, you know, if, I need to if I need to talk about the fact that you are a, a domineering leader, for example, right, and you don't empower your teams, right, and you know, they all feel that they're under your iron fist um, or whatever it is. Like, how do you say that to a colleague or how do you even spot it in yourself? Like, is, do we even have language for that in the company? Or alternatively, you know, if you are a leader who is perhaps so relationally focused that you don't dare to bring the challenge, right? That you don't have the hard conversations, 
how do we, you know, what's the language that we use for that, right? And how do we help each other identify these in each other and, and collaborate even despite our different styles? So I think there's often that a real question of understanding, you know, if you want to collaborate, you need to share a language. And often one of the things I help people with, I think, is to up, let up, like expand their vocabulary, mm-hmm. actually, which is an interesting way of perhaps looking at things. How do you expand the vocabulary of your young leaders so that they have new concepts to play with? So I can only share with you, Richard, that what seems to work for me is what I call the power of storytelling. Uh, so, for example, I did feel that a lot of my program managers uh, were not necessarily working very smartly. Mm. Or some of my program managers needed to be reminded that timelines also mean that there are other programs which work in synchronization and as an orchestra. Uh, I wrote a blog and the blog was lessons from my daughter-in-law because I had just become a grandfather. My grandchild was probably six weeks old and I saw my daughter-in-law's program management skills, how she was interpreting what was not communicated to her. She was anticipating Mm. the needs. Right. And (laughs) how you were still meeting the timelines despite of so much unsaid. Right. Whereas how much better off we are that we actually not only can plan, but we can communicate. Mm. So I'm just, uh, you know, as I said, I'm a learner. I watched my daughter-in-law in action I love my promotion as a grandfather and yeah. I correlated some of the management lessons with a young mother. Yeah, you're right. Mother, motherhood is, uh, is an, a classic case of extreme ownership, right? I mean, if you want to see extreme ownership, look at a mother, right? Generally, they're so, <laughs> they're, they're all in, right? There's nothing else. They're all in. So that's a great, great analogy. Thank you. Yeah. So let's uh, perhaps let's wrap it up. Um, CP, it's been great speaking to you. If people want to find more out about you uh, or about Tech Mahindra, how can they best get in touch? I mean, I'm pretty good at social media. Uh, so I am on the Twitter. You can find CP Gurnani on Twitter, CP Gurnani on LinkedIn. Uh, so all I can say is that... Uh, and similarly, Tech Mahindra is, uh, you know, pretty good at the social media. Uh-huh. So the best way is through social media. But if there is anybody who has any specific uh, reason to talk to me, uh, do let me know and I will be happy to call back. Perfect. I am available 24 by 7. <laughs> the man who never sleeps. That's, uh... <laughs> I'm available. That's all I can say. Somebody with me who, told, who doesn't sleep. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. The sun never sets. See you in MD. Yeah, perfect. Well, hey, CP, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I've loved you know, your focus on, um, 
on impact and legacy, you know, your passion, your purpose, your perseverance, uh, it's like this idea of extreme ownership. Uh, and then, yeah, being open about this, this idea of empowering and engaging um, and enabling the new leaders to kind of rise up and collaborate together. So many thanks for that. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Very helpful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Richard. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.